Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Today, I receive the Word of God to profit me and reproof me, convict me and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You just quoted 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. If you have your Bibles open with me to Luke chapter 4, I'm doing a series on redemption. And as you go there, so we're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 4, and the theme scripture I'm using is Psalms 107. And it says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. How many of you know God's good? Yeah. Hmm? His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, and so many times we say, well, you know, so I'm redeemed. No, let the redeemed say so. It's important that we understand when we begin to confess, I've been redeemed. What are we confessing? We are confessing, I have been purchased. I really didn't get here on my own accord. God brought me here because he paid a tremendous price for me. It reminds me of the parable in Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus said a man was walking through a field and he discovered a great treasure there. And he went and sold everything that he had so he could buy that field so he could have that treasure. Well, Jesus did the same thing. He saw you as a valuable treasure and he paid for all the sins of the world. Not just your sins, but all of the sins of the world so that you could be a part of of his family. He purchased you. One of the things Jesus said in Mark 10 45, he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to become a ransom for many. So that's what that word redeem means. It means that you have been purchased. You were in bondage. You were in bondage to sin. You, you were in darkness. And he said, you know what? I don't want you there anymore. I'm going to pay the price for your sins so that you don't have to be in bondage anymore. You can experience the freedom of your relationship uh, with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So let the redeemed, the Lord said, I've been redeemed. Well, we're not only been redeemed from sin, but we also have been redeemed from lack. What does Psalms 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or that word want means lack. In other words, we shall not lack. God redeemed you from poverty. When we look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, when it says, for those who diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God, all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. You shall be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Everything that you put your hands to shall prosper, you know. And then we go on, and when we start reading verse 16 through 67, and it talks about all the curses that happens when you have been disobedient. And then we look at Galatians 3, where I mean 3.13, where it says that Christ was put on a cross to redeem us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon us. So we're redeemed from the curse of the law or we're redeemed from everything that's taught to us in Deuteronomy 28 verses 16 through 68 right there. And, and when we look at that, all of a sudden we begin to realize, you know, I've been redeemed from poverty. I have been redeemed from uh, eye fail, uh, eyes failing. I've been redeemed from arthritis. I've been redeemed from allergies. I've been redeemed from, 
from, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on and on what I've been redeemed from. Well, we need to be de- begin to declare because as Pastor Vicky was saying earlier, we all walk through things, but you know what? Faith doesn't deny what you walk through. Faith just does, gives you the ability to walk through those and be an overcomer in this life. And how come you can take hold of God's promises because he purchased you? Amen. He bought you. He ransomed you. He paid a price so that you can be an overcomer in this life. And so that's what it means. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who's redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. God's redeemed me from every plan of the evil one and gathered us out of the lands from the east and the west and from the north and the south. So the law of redemption really means this. The best layman term for it is whatever was intended, to be yours all along, regardless of how you lost it or how it left you or why you don't have it, regardless of that, has been purchased back and restored back to you. In other words, God's original intent for your life, just as it was with Adam and Eve before sin ever entered into their lives, that's God's plan for your life. So somebody tell your neighbor, I'm redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The enemy has no place in me. Well, pastor, I sin. Well, you know what? You have an advocate with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that if you do sin, we're not encouraging you to sin, but if you do sin, he's already paid the price for you. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And this is the problem with many times when we make our confession of sin to God, we know he forgives us, but we don't take the time for God to cleanse us, which is a process of redemption. He has cleansed you of that. It's not a part of you. So therefore, the devil doesn't have place in you. That's why you can say, I've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He has no place in my life. He has no place in your life. He has no authority to come in and to stop God's plan for my life. That's why we say there's no man and there's no devil and there's no government that can stop God's plan for your life. Can I hear an amen in this Pentecostal church? Praise God. And so the law of redemption is that God has restored to you. So here in Luke chapter 4, and then we'll go to Isaiah 61, because Jesus is quoting uh, Isaiah 61, starting with verse 16. So he came up to Nazareth as he had been brought up, and his custom as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind and to set, li- set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, go with me to Isaiah 61. So here it is. This is the place where Jesus was quoting that scripture. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The opening of the prison. Think about it. Somebody paid the price for that prisoner to be set free, didn't they? Is that redemption? 
Absolutely, this is the story of redemption. Somebody paid the price. Someone uh, 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 paid bail for them to get out. In other words, you know, whatever, why, why, whatever reason why that person was in prison, you know what, somebody paid the price for the penalty, and they don't have to be in prison anymore. Amen. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, the day of vengeance is a, another word that parallels with the word redemption. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed us from the vengeance of the enemy. In other words, the enemy cannot bring wrath or punishment on our lives because we have been redeemed. To comfort all those who are mourned, to console those who are mourned in Zion, and to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And as a result, this is what verse 4 is telling us, as a result of God redeeming us, the vengeance uh, 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 the day of vengeance of our God, as a result of that, as a result of redemption, you shall or they shall rebuild the old ruins. How many of you know that the church needs to be rebuilt? Amen. See, the world ought not set the standard for the church. The church ought to be setting the standard for the world. Amen. And this is why it's so important that we need revival. We must have revival in our land. I was getting my hair cut, uh, you know, it's been a few, few months ago now, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, the lady cut my hair. Yeah, it's pretty bad out there. I said, this is why we need revival. She goes, what's revival? This is where we're at today. I was in a, a, a meeting, a, 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 you know, here in Columbia, and uh, we were talking about some things, and this lady said, son, and I thought that was pretty nice. She said, some of us have been around serving God for many, many years, and those things that you're concerned about will never happen. And it's happened. Why? Because the church has lost its authority in the world. What's it going to take for the world to see that we actually walk in the authority of God and walk with God? What's, gonna, what, what's it going to take? It's going to take revival. It's going to be you being used of God, showing the goodness of God and the glory of God, and being used in the power of God. People are fascinated with the supernatural. You know, and they're going to wrong places to experience the supernatural. And they're opening up doors for demonic things to come in when they get involved in, in the wrong type of supernatural things. But I'm here to tell you that we serve a supernatural God. And there's nothing like your testimony sharing with somebody else what God has done for you. You know, that's the greatest thing that you can share. What has God done for you? I've often told people that I've witnessed to, if you can only experience five minutes of what I've experienced with God, you would never turn away from God. God is so good. I want you to experience the goodness of God. That's why it tells us in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's the goodness of God that leads, that draws people to God. God wants to see that, people want to see that God's good, and he is good. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And so going on, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. 
Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. And instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. You know, people, you know, when, when I ran for city council, people tried to shame me because I was a Christian. Because I had standards that didn't uh, agree with the LGBTQ whatever community. They held up signs that Luther hates. They're so wrong. They have no idea how much I really do love. But see, they tried to shame me into uh, 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 compromising my standards. I'm not going to compromise. You know, I'm going to continue to believe that God's standards, because the Bible says that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise the standard against them. We always quote it like, when the enemy comes in like a flood. Let me ask you something. Where does, where does the devil get water from? I mean, that's even biblical. I mean, Jesus talked about, you know, a man who, who went to hell, and he said, can you just, Father Abraham, can he, can he just dip his finger in some water? He didn't have no water there. Where does the enemy get water to make a flood from? Come on, let's think this thing through. He has no ability to cool things down. He has no water. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. You know, and if you've ever been in an area where a flood's been in, it doesn't look the same as it did before the flood came. I mean, it washes everything out. I mean, it's like a brand new, you know, I mean, it looks like maybe a bomb hit the place. I remember the 93 and 95 flood. We were still living in Fort Worth, Texas, and we came in to do a meeting here in this particular area. And we couldn't drive because only one bridge was open. And my pastor said, here's, here's the deal. You can go. But if you can't come back, you won't have a job. So I decided to fly. <laughs> so we flew in. And when we flew over Jefferson City and saw the river, and my parents lived uh, over there in Stedman, thereby close to Mocaine, and we saw the river and we saw how high it was and everything. Well, after it all dried up and we came back a few months later for Thanksgiving or whatever we came back for, I mean, 94, I mean, that place was a mess. I mean, places wiped out. They had lakes where they never had lakes before. You know, I mean, the flood just devastated everything. Well, I'm here to tell you that when God comes, standards come back in. He's going to devastate everything the devil ever. There won't be any trace of the devil anymore. Come on, somebody. This is why it's so important. Don't patty cake. Give God praise in this house. Amen. Glory to God. You know, this is why we need to live according to God's standards because it, it, it allows God to, to bring in his power and his restoration. And so Jesus said, today, back to Luke 4, today in your ears this scripture is fulfilled. Well, and then it says here in verse 3, uh, uh, excuse me, in verse 2 it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. In other words, he's saying redemption is here. It has already begun. So one of the first things that we have to understand about redemption is that it's already here. So we need to not only believe it, but we need to receive it and we need to take hold of it. I have been redeemed. Tell your neighbor, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I have been redeemed. I have been purchased. I have been put in a position now that I've been redeemed. I have now been put in a position where I can start restoring the wrong teaching of the woke culture that's going on in this world. 
Boy, that got me about five amens. I should have got a big amen for that. I've been redeemed to restore the woke culture that the world has brought into to, to, to our society. Amen? To change it. That's what I've been redeemed for. I've been redeemed to make a difference. And so that's one of the things I have to take hold of. I have to take hold. I've been purchased for such a time as this. The day of vengeance. Vengeance is revenge. In other words, God's going to take vengeance out on the plans of the enemy, not on us. Well, you never know. God may get mad at me. Well, my Bible says his mercy endures forever for Pastor Tom only. No? It doesn't say that? No, his mercy endures, let's say it together, forever. How long is forever? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, God's merciful to those who are a part of this family. Just like I'm merciful to our, our, our children and our grandchildren. You know, they're not perfect, but you know what? They're growing. They're making mistakes, but yet they're growing, you know. And we're helping them through their mistakes, and we're helping them perfect themselves and do better and all the things that they put their hands to. Well, God's merciful too. If you can be merciful to your children, you know, you don't just kill your children because, you know, they're bad or, or, or make mistakes. No, you don't do that. You give them a second chance, and you give them a third chance, and you give them a fourth chance, you know. As long as they're willing to let you help them, you're there to help them. Well, that's the way God is. That's what mercy is all about, you know, knowing the mercy of the Lord. And so we need to understand that part of what God's doing is God is vindicating us because he's merciful. He's not, he's not, he is not having revenge on us. He's, re, he's having vengeance on the enemy. You know, there's only one time I feel sorry for the enemy, and that's maybe two. That's when I see this word and when I see my wife praying. I almost feel sorry for the devil when I see my wife praying. So, so you know, God, so, so when we look at this day of vengeance, what it's really referring to is like when God brought Israel out of Egypt. And I want you to think about how did God bring Israel out of Egypt? They were in slavery for 400 years. They were in bondage. They were, were in, in a place where they had no control, no destiny in their lives. And after 430 years, they were in bondage for 400 years. After 430 years, you know, God brought them out. How did God bring them out? With all the gold, with all the silver. You know, Psalms 105 verse 37 says, He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. Wow. Nobody was sick. Nobody was downtrodden. Now, is that redemption? I'll say that's redemption. The word feeble here in Psalms 105 means to bereave, to stumble, cast down, overthrown, decayed. There was not one who was decayed. There was not one who was utterly struck down. There was not one who was bereaved. There was not one who was feeble. There was not one who was overthrown. They came out as overcomers in this life. Now that's restoration and that's redemption. This is what God's saying about vengeance is mine. I will repay all, the Lord says in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse, um, uh, Romans 12, verse 30. All right, benefits of redemption. Well, number one, you're going to rebuild the old. Isaiah 61, the Amplified Bible says, renew the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. He's not talking about, you know, something that is physically torn down. He's talking about something that has been 
spiritually torn down. How many of you know what Columbia means? Columbia means the city of the dove. If you go to the Columbia Library, right across the street is this stainless steel sculpture, and it's supposed to be a sculpture of a dove. Why is it that way? Because at one time, Columbia was called Smithfield. And when the second great awakening happened, it happened also here in Columbia. A group of people were touched by the second great awakening here in America. They came here, and they began to have revival in this city. And they said, you know what? We're going to rededicate this city to God. So they called it Columbia, the city of the dove. And as a result of that, Mr. Stevens, he pioneered and chartered Stevens College, which was the first all-women Christian college west of the Mississippi. And a group of people chartered Columbia College, which its original charter is Christian College. Why? Because of a move of God. And right up here up the street, we have a lovely neighbor up here, the Little Bonfin Baptist Church. That was the very first church that was built in Boone County. Why? Because we, this church, is on the original seat of the government for Boone County. Somehow they moved it to where it's at now. And I believe God has us here for a purpose. Why? Because he's redeemed us. He wants us to take back. He wants us to be on the very land that was dedicated to God, the city of the, of the dove, so that we can believe God that we're going to rebuild Columbia, rebuild Boone County, rebuild Missouri for the glory of God. How many of you know there's probably one or two people in Columbia who needs to get saved? Glory to God. We have a work to do. That's why we want to encourage you, bring as many people to the Lord, bring as many people to church as you can. So we're here to rebuild. Right? Uh, benefits of redemption allows us to rebuild. The next thing is that we're called priest of the Lord. This is so good. Priest of the Lord. What does it tell us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9? It says that we are royal priesthood. What does that mean, to be royal? That means that if you go back to Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Forget now all his benefits who forgives you of all your sins, heals you of all your diseases, and has redeemed your life from destruction, and has crowned you, say crown, crowned you. What does it mean if you have a crown? It means you're royalty. What does it mean if you're royalty? That means you have more than enough. Come on, you don't see any of these people who are in royalty like these princes of Saudi Arabia. You don't see them out begging, saying, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills tomorrow. You don't see people of royalty wondering where they're going to get their next meal. In fact, you see them being people of very generous, very generous people. Vicky, Pastor Vicky shared a story about Alexander the Great. And when he was traveling through the country, a beggar was on the side of the road begging, you know, and Alexander the Great gave him two gold coins. He said, and one of his servants said, why two gold coins? You know, usually, you, you know, we only give beggars a couple copper coins just to help them get them through the day. He said, because it's a representation of who I am, not what they need. Amen. Come on, somebody. If you're a representation of God, you're going to have more than enough. Come on, you're to be generous and be able to give to every good, new, every good work. Does that sound familiar? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says that God will give seed to the sower. And his grace will cause you to abound so that you can give to every good work. 
If you're royalty, you have what it takes. Amen. And so that's why he's redeeming you. He's redeeming you back to that place of royalty so that you have so much that you can give to every good work. Somebody give God praise in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So redemption takes you to a place where you can be generous, extremely generous. Why? Because you're a royal priesthood. Amen? And royal people are generous people. Well, the next thing here in Isaiah 61, 6, it says that you shall eat the riches of the, uh, uh, of the Gentiles. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Well, that sounds like that scripture right there to me is, is, is being applied here in Isaiah 61. It says that we shall eat the riches of the Gentile. Well, let me just share a couple other scriptures that will make it a little more plainer. In the expanded Bible, Proverbs 13, 22 says it like this. Good people leave their wealth to their grandchildren, but sinners' wealth is stored up for good and righteous people. Glory to God. You know, you ever like, how come that old sinner over there seems to be making all the money? Hey, don't be bad-mouthing him. Be thanking God because someday you're going to have that money he's making. He's working and toiling. You know, the Bible says the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. In other words, no toil to it. So this sinner, he can do it all in his strength. And one day, it's going to be put in my bank account. Glory to God. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know God can do it. Amen. This is a part of being redeemed. I can expect the wealth that's in the world, regardless of how it got there. How many of you know there's plenty of money in the world? All right. So the Message Bible says it like this. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. Ill-gotten wealth ends up with good people. Amen? Are you redeemed? That means you're a good person. Hmm? How about that? So I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know God is going to cause a shift where the wealth of the world is going to end up in the hands of the church and godly people. Look at this. Go on with me too. on down here in verse... Uh, Verse 7, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in a portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. You know, what we saw the other day when we were teaching on being redeemed from lack in Matthew chapter 25, the least God wants to see happening in your life is the double. Everything that God gives you, he'd like to see you double. Everything that God gives you, he'd like to see it doubled. How many of you would like to see maybe your bank account tomorrow doubled? Wouldn't that be wonderful? For those who don't, why don't you let me have your bank account number and we'll put it in my bank account. But no, the least God wants to do, he wants to double you. He's redeemed you from shame. He's redeemed you from the thoughts of, you know, well, what could have been or what should have been. But what could have been or what should have been didn't happen. But don't let it stop what can be today. That's one of the things that we have to know, that we've been redeemed. And being redeemed, you know, gets our mindset off of what has happened in the past so we can press in and, like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind us and obtaining that which Christ has attained for us. Are you learning something today? Go with me to Joel chapter 2. And Joel's right after the book of Amos. It's in the Old Testament. 
It's after Daniel, Jose, okay, Amos and Joel, or uh, Jose and Joel, excuse me. All right? And we're going to start with verse 12. And this is God's promise to us. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. All right? So this is talking about repentance. This is talking about repentance. What does Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says? He says, when we repent, then times of refreshing will come upon us. Well, the word repent actually means to return, and the word pent means the best. Return back to the best. Come back to, and this is what God's saying all through the Old Testament. You don't see the word repent that much in the Old Testament, but it really means come back to God. Put God first in your life. Well, now, Pastor, I always thought repent meant turn away from, you know. Well, when you're turning towards something, aren't you turning away from something else? Absolutely. You know, when you press into God, when you seek first, Matthew 6, 33, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his right way of doing things and his way of thinking, all these things shall be added unto you. And what are those things? And that, that's according to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3, according to his divine power. He's given you all things, say all things, that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, if you turn to God, God will give it to you. God wants you to have this. This is why he redeemed you. He saw you as that treasure in the field. He went back and he gathered all that he had. And all he had was his own son. And he gave his own son so that he could purchase that field so that he could have you, the very treasure of his eye. That's what God's done for you. And this is what he wants for your life. And so it says here, so rend your heart. Who knows, uh, who knows he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind and a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord. Now move on to verse 21. It talks about making the proclamation and everything. Move on. And this is for those who have repented and and, and are pressing into God. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the trees bears its fruit, and the fig and a vine will yield their strength. Be glad, then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. He has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. Does that sound like lack to you? Sounds like more than enough to me. Amen. Your vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years of the swarming locusts as eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, the chewing locusts, the great army which I sent among you. You shall eat and be in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has done wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame again. Amen. I want to share with you what uh, the Message Bible says in verse 25, I will make up for the years of the locusts and the great locust devastation. I'll make it up. 
The expanded Bible says like this, the last part of verse 25 and, and all the 26, I will pay you back or restore to you those years of trouble. Then you will have plenty to eat and be full. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has done miracles and acts wondrously and marvelously for you. And my people will never again be ashamed. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I've been redeemed by the hand of God. You know, we used to sing a song and we used to teach it in children's church. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins have washed away. I've been redeemed. Well, the devil and me, we both agree. The devil and me. We both agree, the devil and me, we both agree. I hate him and he hates me. All my sins are washed away, I've been redeemed. Well, you can't get to heaven on a pair of skates. You can't get to heaven on a pair of skates. You can't get to heaven on a pair of skates. You'll roll by rope, rope. Past those pearly gates, all my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. Are you redeemed? Yeah. Amen. I hope you get the first dance more than any of the other. By the blood of the Lamb, I'm redeemed. Glory to God. I've been purchased. I've been bought. I've been repositioned for success in this life. Can somebody give the Lord a big shout in this place? Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I'd like for you to say this with me. Thank you, Father. I've been redeemed, and I'm being restored. I declare God is doing great things in my life. I'll be the head and not the head, not the tail. I'll be blessed coming in and going out, and everything I put my hands to shall prosper. I declare my greatest days are ahead of me. I'll experience maximum results and the highest level attainable for the glory of God. I've been made a royal priest in order to establish the kingdom of God and show generosity in my coming in and going out. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.